Oh, hello, and welcome to the Community Experience Podcast. We are so glad you're here. If you're one of our regulars, you're probably wondering why we haven't published in a while. We actually chose to sunset the show in early 2023, but the feed will stay active because so many of the episodes are timeless. If you want to learn more and search our back catalog, you can visit smartpassiveincome.com slash cxpodcast, all one word. Hey, we have an amazing event coming up, the Expert Advantage Workshop Series, where every day for a week, starting on Monday, May 20th, it's myself and another expert coming on to present to you about various kinds of things to help you with your brand and your business. Our brand new experts in residence and pro are gonna be there to co-host these workshops with me, and you're not gonna wanna miss it. You'll have a chance to ask all of them questions, and it's completely free to join. All you have to do is go to smartpassiveincome.com slash advantage. On Monday, May 20th, Amy Nelson's gonna come on, and we're gonna talk social media, but specifically how to drive revenue and connect with important stakeholders that matter to you in your business using social media. The next day, we have Noshin Chen, and she's gonna lead a presentation about how to become a better communicator, how to increase those skills faster, because that's gonna help you not just connect with new people, new clients, but also get your idea across better ton of takeaways in that presentation. And all you have to do to sign up and join and get all the links that you need is smartpassiveincome.com slash advantage. Again, one more time, smartpassiveincome.com slash advantage. Join us on our Expert Advantage workshop series. You're not gonna wanna miss it. Again, smartpassiveincome.com slash advantage. Oh, this is very smart. Like truly will solve so many of the moments where you're like, am I terrible at my job? No, you're not terrible at your job. It's like someone gave you a, a nail and a shoe and they said, okay, hammer this nail on the wall with a shoe. It's not that you're bad at your job. It's that someone gave you a shoe. What if we actually gave you a hammer? So when I saw a common room and even in the beginning, a couple years ago, I was like, I see where this is going. And every community manager truly needs this. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Community Experience Podcast. I am your host, Jillian Benbow, and today I am talking to Rebecca Marshburn, who is the head of community at Common Room. Before Common Room, Rebecca worked at AWS Serverless Heroes, which was community for the serverless, <laughs> which I had to ask about. And basically my version, which Rebecca is probably cringing right now if she's listening, but it's kind of like cloud-based is the easiest way to explain. It's tech stuff. If you know what it is, excellent. If you don't, don't worry. That isn't really the point of this episode. What is the point of this episode, you may ask? Well, Rebecca now runs Common Rooms Community, which is Uncommon Community. I love these names. And it is described as a healthy and cooperative educational space where more than a thousand community and DevRel development relation builders share expertise and collectively elevate the community function. So what does that mean? It is a community for community builders, and I am here for it. This is my jam. So we have a lot of fun talking about just how you can leverage metrics, kind of some ideas about just the things you can look at and look for that Common Room, the platform actually can aggregate for you in a nice, pretty report. And we talk about this in the sense of as a community manager specifically, which I think everybody will be able to relate to, even if you aren't what is considered a traditional community manager in a role at a company like myself, if you're not a career community builder, if you 
have your own community. This is still really valuable. So listen in. And instead of thinking about proving a community's worth or a community team's justification for the financial aspect of a community team, just think more about yourself and your overall budgeting and processes because it's very relevant. So we talk a lot about that and just the value of being able to show what a community team or a community in general provides to the greater good of the business. And it's not just revenue, it's cost savings, things like preventing emails that are support tickets because it's dealt with in the community. It takes less from whether it's other departments, other people that work for you or yourself just in a different arena. So that's a fun conversation. My mind gets blown. And then also we talk about the Uncommon community and how it started as just a newsletter and grew into a Slack community with well over a thousand people. Like I said, I just joined, so add one to that. And is all community builders talking about community and it's just how that all works and how it really grew very organically. So tune in, listen in, do your thing. Today on this episode of the Community Experience Podcast. All right, welcome to this episode of the Community Experience Podcast. And I'm so excited. I am with Rebecca Marshburn, who started Common Room and the Uncommon Community and just all sorts of amazing stuff. We've been talking before I hit record and have a ton in common and just a lot of, you know, as community builders do a lot of things, but even just fun stuff like Girls on the Run. We're both past coaches. I'm still on the board for my chapter. Yeah love Seattle, all the things. So Rebecca, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. And just so our audience knows, Rebecca caught the vid and still caught the vid vid and is still here. Still wanted to show up, didn't reschedule, which of course you could have done if you wanted, but she's here. So forgive her if she needs a break to cough. And of course we wish you healing vibes. Thank you so much. And I appreciate your listeners for sitting through my whatever's going on with my voice. It's like it's all over the place. I mean, it's kind of like maybe, you know, if you ever watched Friends, if you're old enough, or I guess there's a resurgence when Phoebe got sick and liked her voice, like you could <laughs> just go with that. Like smelly cat, you know, <laughs> with the with the like raspy voice. So Rebecca, tell everybody who you are and, and what Common Room is and, and like, just tell us your community story. So I am Rebecca Marshburn, as you said, I'm the head of community at Common Room. Common Room is a community intelligence platform that helps you build better products alongside your community members, your champions, drive and measure business impact, really just deliver those experiences along with your community that you want to deliver. And so you can empower your business and activate your community and your accelerate your business faster. So I didn't start Common Room or I should just like... Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I started the Uncommon Community at Common Room, but Common Room was founded by Linda Leanne, who's the CEO, who I had the great pleasure of working with in my past role at AWS when we were building and working on communities for the serverless community. And Linda did other things as well there. But that's how I met her. And she's the CEO and co-founder of Common Room. And so she started it with three other great co-founders. And over time... We had stayed in touch and she really wanted to bring me on in terms of building community for Common Room. And so that community is called the Uncommon Community. 
and we're a community of a thousand plus community leaders, developer relations leaders, developer experience leaders, community managers. And so we are based mostly on, or we have, you know, real-time chats in Slack. We also have a newsletter and we have a YouTube channel. And so those are like our various platforms that bring the community together. And then of course there's like the Twitter and that sort of thing. For sure. I'm curious about Common Room and then of course, by proxy, the Uncommon community, like you mentioned a bunch of different types of people that join, like what sort of, do you, is there a common thread? Is it mostly kind of like the, the tech type communities? What kind of communities are represented in your, in your, in your community? How many times can I say community? <laughs> I know. Oh, it's going to happen a lot. Oh, oh my yeah. goodness. <laughs> I think this is not a drinking game, but yeah, I'm gonna, I was like, I'm going to have to eat a piece of spinach for every time yeah. I say community. Just really make it a healthy ex- exercise. Super healthy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that that is a great question. It is mostly a like B2B SaaS or software as a service type of, you know, tech community or on, people are running online communities and community managers, community leaders in those spaces, as well as the developer experience and developer relations types of leaders who are going to be in that open source or commercial open source software types of spaces. However, we do have a lot of folks as well that are, you know, just looking in terms of wanting to share expertise or or share community building strategies. And something that I think is really special is that there is a lot of through lines about people who want to build communities, whether or not you're in the B2B space, the B2C space, the nonprofit space, or the physical community building, a lot of like, you know, activism and, and such. We have so many more things in common than so like I think that to say B2B, B2C, nonprofit, government, et cetera, it is helpful to have those distinctions. But I always am really touched to realize like how much, no matter what type of community you're building, there are a lot of through lines and like common threads that community builders want to or need to know or want to share. And so while, for example, in the uncommon community, we're mostly going to be that like B2B type of SaaS online digital community building and, you know, bringing organizations and companies closer to their communities in terms of like, you know, their product users, their product champions, anyone who's trying to build a, you know, product-based user community champion type of community still needs to employ a lot of the same community building strategies and tactics as someone who's trying to build an activist community or a nonprofit community. Oh, totally. Well, and even looking, so I'm looking at commonroom.io slash uncommon to, to see some, you know, just the like, kind of like the main page for where you jump off into the community things and really cool events. Like a, I'm just looking right now and empathy everywhere. Community impacts every team in an organization. And like, yeah, like to your point, whether you're, I like to call it sassy, whether you work for SAS, whether your community, you know, it's a local nonprofit that's in person, Empathy is a thing. Just for dum dums like me, <laughs> what is a digital relationship manager like? What is what does that look like as as a role? Yeah, so I'd love to give this a one sentence pitch, but it's probably going to be a little longer than that. It's okay. <laughs> so you know, like a let's say it, let's go back to the year two thousand, where oh okay, yeah, I'll take you all the way back there, where CRMs reigned, right? Um, customer relationship managers. And those were, you know, you could say there were one-way conversations, but if it's one way, that's that's more of a monologue where you're like, hey, potential customer or prospect or actual customer, you know, do this thing, buy this thing, come to this thing. And it's sort of just like a, a push mechanism. And then fast forward to now and all that time between then, right? 2005, 2006, 
2007 saw there was Facebook and then there was Twitter. And now there's a proliferation of community channels and platforms. So you have, I think SPI runs on circle.so if I, if I remember correctly. You are correct. Woo. Gold star. Gold star. <laughs> yeah. And then there's, you know, there's what, like I said, we have our the uncommon community is on Slack as far as it's real time chat app, but a lot of people like Discord. There's forums, right? Like Discourse and Circle. There are, or Circle is more of like a little bit more broad than that. And then, you know, for the developer space, there's Stack Overflow, there is um, GitHub, and then you have like YouTube and Reddit and Insighted and Koros. And you start to see all these different platforms where people are building and interacting and participating with community and we're bringing their communities together. What, what was happening before, right, is people or organizations, I should say, companies we're starting to say like, hey, we need to hire the role title community manager because now people are interacting with us across different platforms. It's not just like a push message through our CRM to our customer or prospect. It's more of like a, it actually went from a monologue to a dialogue or a trialogue or a multivariate log. Like it just keeps building, it's networked, it's distributed. To hire for this idea of a community manager, what was happening is community managers were basically like, putting their hand in a grab bag, you know, and being like, I hope I pick out the right thing to like, uh, you know, address. I hope I am, I hope I'm hitting the highest priority. I hope I'm talking to the person that makes the most sense in terms of, you know, an actual product user or someone who's interested in using our product versus someone who is maybe like not even really that interested. They just need better insights. They need better tools to do their jobs better. So a digital relationship manager is this idea where it's like, you are building relationships across all of these digital spaces. And as a community manager, or really just as any organization, whether or not you explicitly have a community manager role, but there are your customers and your contributors and your champions are now talking to you. And they are talking to you across multiple platforms and services and channels. And you need a way to actually manage those relationships. So it's not just a CRM, right? It's not just a customer relationship manager. But how are the, what about the people who are people before they're quote unquote customers, right? What if they're interested? What if they, what if they're champions, but they're still on, let's say, you know, your free tier, but they are love your product and they're making educational content and they're putting it on YouTube. Like you want to be able to find those people and say, thank you so much for sharing your experience, right? Or for helping other users who are at the spot of the journey that you're at today Thank you for helping other people like, you know, take that leap or make that extra step in terms of like product usage. And so a digital relationship manager is, is that idea where it's going from a monologue from just a CRM where you're pushing messages to a dialogue or that trialogue or multilogue where you're able to unify all of this like information and data and what your community members need, whatever stage they're at in terms of your product or customer journey. And, and bring their voices together and make sure that you're serving the right people at the right time with the right context and content. I love this. It's so exciting to see just the continued evolution of community as a career and the options, you know, it's just, it keeps branching out. It started out, in my opinion, like very, you're either kind of social media manager slash, you know, like the titles are always a little blurred or you were community manager on a specific platform this role, this terminology, this concept is exciting because it just shows like community is a thing that is now 
here. Totally. I think that that could be the title of the podcast, right? Community is a thing, period. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that'll be the title of this episode. (laughs) I don't know. People will be like, what? (laughs) What is this about now? Like, well, it's everything. It's It's everything. It's nothing and everything all at once. (laughs) (laughs) So, and as you're talking, I can like hear the people I know, especially a lot of our listeners are community builders who are very like small business. It's like they're an entrepreneur. They have a community as part of their services that they do themselves. I can see them spinning out right now because they're like, oh my gosh, now more things to do. I, you know, I need to find everyone talking about me on YouTube, but like all this stuff, which just for everyone who's in that space, deep breath. It's okay. You don't have to do everything all at once. You're fine. But let's talk about what I think is amazing about Common Room and the the product a bit, because something I like to talk about a lot is metrics and the importance of metrics and how there, in my opinion, there's no one metric to rule them all in community. But I know Common Room offers a deeper insight than a lot of the platforms we use right now standalone. So Tell us a little bit more about how, and especially like a, maybe like a smaller business can leverage that data that you're able to pull. Yeah. Um, and so I think that this actually probably goes back to that, like what you had just said, where you're like, oh no, you know, our community managers hearing this would be like, I need to do all of the things. It's like more stuff. No. And so yeah. that is, that is the whole reason why we built Common Room is that Common Room allows you to not have to stress out about having to do all of those things. Because what we do is we give you and your teams a single unified view of your community members across every channel and platform that they engage on. And then with that, we intelligently surface insights and trends from how they are engaging across all of those platforms. And then with that, we enable you to take action. And so we make it easy to you know, funnel team alerts into your, let's say you have an internal Slack channel or receive notifications via email. We make it easy to connect with your community through automated workflows. So like we have onboarding sequences that have, you know, automated welcome messages. So people that used to have GreetBot and let's say GreetBot is, you know, I think is retiring. So this idea of like how to have, you know, welcome messages to make sure that when people enter your community, they always have a direct line to a community host. There are re-engagement sequences. So it's like, for example, if someone has not interacted in your community with, you know, in 30 days, just like send them an automated check-in and that again, opens that direct line to conversation with the community host. Um, We have automated surveys that you can send. And then those flow into, let's say, a segment. And so we call a segment, but they're cohorts of community members. So let's say it's like um, survey. uh, And then in that survey, you say, hey, we'd love to feature, you know, your expertise. If you're interested, do you prefer, you know, blogs or podcasts? And then let's say they're like, I love podcasts. And then that flows into a segment called, you know, potential podcast guests. And then you can actually bulk message members in that segment directly to their Slack DMs or through email, um, which is coming soon. We'd be able to say, hey, we're actually scheduling for the next six months. I know that you're interested in sharing your expertise on the podcast. Would you like to schedule? Here's my Calendly. And then you can download and share reports with stakeholders. And so I think one of the big things, one of the big challenges for community managers, right, is sometimes or, or it's like one of the first things to go in an organization because it either, you know, it, A, it's still an emerging industry space, right? And then B, it's harder to show a direct line of A to B of revenue. And so when people are downsizing or, you know, whatever has to happen, they're like, well, we're not exactly sure. We know that community is good, but we're not exactly sure 
how we can't like point to a direct revenue stream. So therefore, it's really hard internally when people are having those really difficult, challenging conversations to say like, well, we need to keep the community team. What we know at Common Room is that you need to be able to share download and share reports with stakeholders about like, hey, here's the impact of the community. Here's how it's growing. Here's how many support tickets we deflected. Here's how the customer success team was actually able to like make better educational content based on what we know were unanswered questions asked by the community. Here's how the product and engineering team were able to discover bugs faster and how we were able to triage those within five hours versus within 15 hours, right? And so when you're able to draw that straight line from what your community members are doing and how your community team is serving them to how they can quarterback to the rest of the organization and help like reduce or increase efficiency, let's say, across all of those teams because of your community teams' relationships with the community, those are what we're able to highlight within the, our reporting. And that to us is like really important so that like the community industry and the community field can keep elevating itself. So it's not that like expendable team with the biggest question mark next to it in terms of like revenue streams or impact. And then what Common Room also does is it allows you to understand the organizations or um, interacting with your business. Just how we unify all of that single member data where it's say, let's say, you know, I'm Rebecca Marshburn. I'm talking to you on Twitter and I'm in your Slack and I'm in your circle. And I mentioned you on Reddit. I am unified as one single person who has mentioned you across all these different surfaces and platforms and channels. And you know, Common Room tells you my sentiment, tells you the topics I've been talking about, tells you who else has been active in that thread within the community, the number of replies, um, whether or not it has gotten a reply from a team member. So you're really able, then we auto categorize it. So we can say like, this is an account support question. This is a bug. This is a feature request. This is product feedback. This is content attached. So that same question where you're like, oh no, now I have to look at whether or not someone is talking about me on YouTube, we service that for you. We say, hey, this person mentioned you and here's their content attached link to their YouTube video. You can go ahead and reach out to them directly to say, thanks so much for talking about us on YouTube. Can we send you a sweatshirt? So the same that we unify that for individual members, we roll that up into organizations. So we look at where those members work based on you know, public APIs and information that we can get across like LinkedIn and Twitter and GitHub and where people talk about where they work in their bios. And we're able to say, hey, this many people, these many members are also also belong to this organization. And so that's where, for example, the partnership sales and revenue teams love Common Room and are able to say, you have to keep the community team because they are the ones that are quarterbacking to us where these members work that we actually had did not even know they haven't shown up in Salesforce yet, for example. They haven't shown up in HubSpot yet, but they did show up in the community. And so now we have this like direct line and understanding and context about what these members are asking, saying, and sharing. And then we can reach out to them with context about like, hey, saw you had a question around this. This is actually how we solve it. Here's the value we bring. We'd love to continue the conversation. And so once you're able to tie community to, let's say, more accounts closed or one, that's just another way to make sure that we elevate the community industry and that we help that community manager show their impact on the business. If people could see my face during this whole thing, my eyeballs just kept getting bigger and bigger because I'm just like, holy forking shirt balls. Like this is <laughs> amazing. Like so many problems solved. And as someone who came from kind of the tech startup community manager 
that's where I got my start and stayed for a while before going into this more like smaller business side of things. I've had too many experiences where the community team does such an amazing job. The company then thinks it has no value because the community is fine. We don't need this. We don't need all these staff because look, everything's going great. It's like, yeah, (laughs) because we (laughs) are doing a ton of stuff and you just don't understand what we do. So this the impact of this, to your point, for the community industry and for people who work professionally in community like you and I do, this is big. This is a lot. But I think for for the sake of our audience, because it is a mix, I mean, you may not be having to justify things to, you know, the VP of finance, right? Or even like the owner of the company to say like, no, this is valuable, you know, because it's your company. But having those insights and being able to interact on that level, this is like hiring a team <laughs> to, to kind of like surface all these things for you, which is great. I can't even. Well, I just want to say that is the way that you're feeling right now is when to go all the way back to when Linda Leanne, the CEO, was like, hey, I want you to join. I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to like stick around the tech space. You know, I've been here for a long time. And I, I, I had gone back to get my master's in urban design. And I was thinking like, you know, I'm probably going to, you know, switch careers. And she was like, well, let, let me just show you the product. And having been managing the AWS Serverless Heroes community, and then seeing the product, I was like, oh, this is very, very smart. Like this is very necessary, very smart. Truly will solve so many of the like of the moments where you're like, am I terrible at my job? And it's like, yes. no, you're not terrible at your job. It's like someone gave you a, a nail and a shoe and they said, okay, hammer this nail on the wall with a shoe. And you're like, it's not that you're bad at your job. It's that someone gave you a shoe. What if we actually gave you a hammer? What if we actually gave you the right tool for the job? And so when I saw Common Room, and this was, you know, a couple years ago, and so we it's it's advanced so far. We have an amazing product team and engineering team and ideation team. So and and then we have amazing community. So we're able to like co-shape what we should do with the tool next. But even in the beginning, a couple years ago, I was like, I see where this is going. And every community manager truly needs this. And so like the way your face looked and how you're like, one, that's how I felt too. I was like, Linda, you're truly helping people understand or community managers, leaders and other teams too that they touch and that would use this product. They're not bad at their job. They just needed the tool to do the job well. Totally. Ugh, vindication. No, I'm just kidding. But I, th- I think also like people who get into community and you know don't burn out, which is a very real reason people exit. It's never ending, right? The community never sleeps. Like, and a lot of other departments don't get that. It's like, oh, two weeks off. And it's like, well, it's actually really stressful to take two weeks off. And they're like, but it's vacation. It's like, well, the community doesn't sleep. But point being like having having tools to do what I would call the boring stuff, which is like, has anybody mentioned us on Twitter and like manually looking, right? And and that kind of thing. Like having a tool to replace that work is just like chef's kiss. Yeah. I mean, it's fascinating. And I like that it looks at so many different things because like I was saying earlier, there's no one metric to be like, check this community passes. It's, you know, the ROI is there, the value is there, et cetera. I'm curious, you mentioned, so, and this is so important, I think. So you have, there's the product and then you have a community of people who I assume mostly are all use the product. 
Do you find a lot of people are helping each other leverage the tool in the best way? Or is it more just like, yep, we all use it, but we're actually going to talk about and it's like, hey, you know, like I need support because the situation's happening. Or is it a mix? This is a really great question. And I'll add a little context around to it. And because apparently I cannot give a short answer. So that is okay. Neither can I. <laughs> <laughs> when I joined Common Room in January of 2021, we were still in stealth mode. So we still had not like announced that we were, we had like a landing page that basically said, you know, CR, if you're interested in learning about building community, like, you know, add your email. One of the first things that we knew we wanted to do that when I joined, so I was kind of the first external like content creator, community marketer, any anyone that was going to externally say anything, I was the first hire for that back in January 2021. And so we knew that th- the first thing that we needed to do was actually like announce ourselves, right? As like, hey, we are Common Room and this is our mission and vision and this is what we are building. We had set a date for March 31st, 2021. And that's when we were actually going to have, you know, like a, a quote unquote, real homepage that like really talked about what we were solving, the space we were in, why we were looking to solve it. And then if you scroll down that homepage, there was like one section of it that said, you know, join the Uncommon community. And it was a, hey, connect with other community leaders and strategists. And all it was at the time was an email field and a newsletter, like we'll pop into your inbox once a month. And we had a couple of founding members like Joshua Zirkel at Asana, Shahid Khan at Loom, and Ali Maria at Confluent. And these were community leaders in other you know, fields that were either early design partners. And so they were giving us feedback about our product and we're testing it out. And just people that believe in the community space. And we were like, hey, would you, you know, would you be okay if we, you know, interview you for an uncommon conversation or if we would like to highlight your expertise and then be able to like share that with other community members who sign up for this newsletter? And they were, you know, super kind with their time and they said, sure. And so that's all it was. The Uncommon Community was this like once a month newsletter and these wonderful, you know, kind of founding members that were kind enough to share their time with us. So we knew that as we grew Common Room, we also wanted to grow the Uncommon Community. But we technically started the community before Common Room was available as a product for everyone to use. So that would happen in March 31st, on March 31st, 2021. And it wasn't until March 31st, 2022 just, you know, four months ago, if I'm doing the math right, or five, that Common Room became generally available for everyone to use. So across that past year, we were working with closely with like 15 to 25 design partners and amazing people like Asana and Atlassian. And they were using our beta product and giving us feedback on it. But in parallel, while we were doing that, we were also growing the Uncommon community. So it went from that newsletter to making sure that we had like Slack and so or real time chat opportunity and we wanted it to be Slack because we wanted to reduce the anonymity, which Discord oftentimes has a lot of anonymity associated with it. And so we decided to open a Slack and then we used that original like newsletter base and then invited people to Slack from there and said like, hey, if you only want the newsletter, that's great. If you're interested in more like real time chat and like and strategy and like, you know, AMAs and stuff that we might have on Slack or making sure that you're connected to different events and to each other, then join us on Slack. And so that's actually how we ended up, I would say, seeding the initial Slack. And while we had that Slack in that year before Common Room was generally available, 
it was all about community strategy, community expertise, like sharing events and learning, you know, celebrating like milestones for people, um, just banter and like water cooler type talk. If, um, mm-hmm. um, so the best. Pe- yeah. So people could feel like they could just, you know, come in and, and connect with each other on a non like strictly professional community building level or a, a different type of community building level. And so at first it was a community of, of practice, right? The practice of community management. Then, as Common Room became generally available March 31st of this year, we did add product-specific channels. So Common Room Product Wishlist, Common Room Product Help. There's one more, Common Room What's New, I believe. Because what we wanted to do is make sure that people could come to the community both for product support and product help and to give us product feedback, but also just come to, like, in general... Whether or not you're using Common Room, what are some tactics that people are using to build their community today? Like if someone's in the seed stage of their community or the growth stage or the maturity stage, like what does that look like? If you're trying to build your first ambassador program or you're trying to expand your ambassador program globally, like those are different problems and different questions of different scales. And so now what the Uncommon community is, is kind of a mix. So you have a a general conversations around the practice of community building. And then you also have the more specific common room products, questions and feedback. And a lot of times people will talk about those communities being two separate things, right? You either have a product community and a product support community, or you have a community of practice where you're talking about in general, like best practices around the space. And so, I mean, I guess we could call this a grand experiment. Right now, it seems to be working, just that we have our channel, like we have very specific channels for what is for practice and what is for product, but they are right now combined into the same community. And a very long way of answering your question, there are definitely a lot of product users in the Uncommon community, but a lot of people joined Uncommon before they could use Common Room the product while we were in that interim period of beta testing with a small group of design partners. And so they may have joined the Uncommon community just because they're really interested in the practice of community building. And so it's also been an educational process there being like, hey, if you're trying to do X with your community, have you heard of Common Room? So sometimes we'll be in the Uncommon community and we still have to be like, have you heard of Common Room? Because people have joined the Uncommon community wanting to build community, not necessarily knowing that at the time it was related to Common Room itself, the product. And so, yeah, our goal, right, is first and foremost as an Uncommon community to bring people together who want to build community and to give them the strategies, ideas, safe space to ask questions, solve challenges together. And then ultimately, hopefully, if we build the right tool as Common Room, Common Room will help them solve that. But like, we don't want to just have them come in and be like, well, you have to use Common Room. We want to be like, well, what are you trying to solve? And then if Common Room helps, great. And if it doesn't help, how do we build Common Room so that it would help? I love it so much. I'm curious, you mentioned in the Uncommon Room community, so not necessarily the product spaces, there's just kind of like all sorts, right? There's, it sounds like more like junior community managers all the way up to people who are like pretty experienced community builders talking about different, probably like levels of, of content. Like how's your community with kind of finding their people or is it very, you know, are the people who have like higher expertise, are they a hundred percent there to help like kind of mentor new people or are they kind of, do you ever get feedback of like, Hey, we want like an advanced space where we can talk next level stuff. I think vice versa, even like for more beginner minded people to have like a safe space to like talk about that kind of stuff too and not get overwhelmed by responses. Like have you had, have you found that? 
happening or that feedback about that? Yeah, absolutely. So we are actually kicking off our first community advocacy board, which is very exciting. And, And I see that as like a as like a seed pod to what would be or what could be a champions program, grow into a champions program and ambassadors program in the future. But um, we're, we're starting small, right? And it's with, we invited those, I mean, of course, I use Common Room to, to well, when you're in, when you're community host or community community leader or manager, you, you like generally know who the most like contributing members and active members are. But um that being said, I basically I like looked at Common Room and I said, "Hey, I want to know who's most active in contributing on Slack." And then so I filtered it that way. And then it, we have uh, in Common Room we have um, impact points, so people are contributing the most and where they're contributing the most. And then impact points are are weighted, right? And so it's like it weights a Slack post, for example, different than a Slack reply, different than a Slack reaction. So you can start to see like, you know, when people are engaging, at what level are they engaging? And the has that we have that those weights for like, you know, GitHub and Meetup and Bevy and Stack Overflow. And it's like joining a chapter is very different than hosting a, you know, a community meetup or chapter. And so that those like levels of impact. So anyway, then I it filtered by impact points. And then I said, okay, um, you know, I, I imagine maybe half of the people that I invite will, you know, either have the time or the bandwidth to be able to um, join this community advocacy board. And so I picked, you know, our top 20, which also, um, it, as an anecdotal gut check was like, yep, these are the top, these are basically the top 20 that I would imagine. Right. It's, it's usually not a surprise. It's like, yeah, that, that works out. <laughs> yeah, it's like th- this tracks, this tracks. What the data is showing me is what I know from being in the community every day. Totally. Yeah. And so invited them to the community advocacy board. The reason why we want to do that is again, this idea of product and practice and in what and also what you're getting at, right? Which is like, how do you have a smaller space to make sure that the people who are both using your product and who are experts at community building have like a direct line, let's say, to your product teams and feel not only acknowledged for their work and expertise, but also have this type of space where they are with other people who are trying to solve the same thing as them at the same level or at the same scale. I would say that, yes, we definitely have seen those types of... This is one way that we're trying to solve that. Um, But I think there are also like myriad ways that you could solve that, whether or not you have your own like, you know, private channel about like advanced community experts, or I think different people might have, you know, monthly meetings, or there are like various ways I think people go about trying to make sure that people also feel like they're connecting on the right level. I would say in our uncommon community right now, other than let's say this community advocacy board. So like this one way that we're trying to solve it to have like people at this level be able to like have smaller intimate conversations as well as connect with our product and community teams directly. In general, in the uncommon community, those like community leaders or those like, you know, high level, like very experienced experts are mostly interacting in terms of being like a, a mentor or a leader. So we might end up saying like, hey, I'm, you know, at mentioning so-and-so, someone had this question, I know that you have a depth of expertise in here, would you be okay, like jumping into that thread and like adding some of your feedback? And so I think that while they're happy to perform that role, we also want to give them another channel and way where they don't have to always perform the mentor role and instead be able to be a peer-to-peer role. Oh, for sure. And yeah, I mean, it's something we deal with with our pro community all the time because we have people coming in that and and it's funny because everyone I feel like everyone who joins can offer the sort of like mentor role in some field, but then in another one, they need help. So it it works out well, you know, like you could help me with 
kind of the techie stuff that I'm like, so wait, what is a serverless and what, what are these things help? But then I can help you with, I don't know what I'm trying to think of something cool. Pod, nope. You have a podcast. Um, there's something I have a skill in that I could help you with that I can't think of right now. Right. But like we could, you know, it's kind of that like symbiotic relationship, but yeah, I think it's a, something for all, all community managers to have on their mind, because if it is a, a flat hierarchy with as members, some people can get burnt out and always being the go-to person for answers and things. So how do you acknowledge them? I've noticed it evolve in our community as we grow. We're two plus years old and like the, how it was the first six months versus now, you know, the needs are different or the, the expectations are different as far as like helping other people. That's always a given, but you know, just the, the nuance of like, do you, are you still getting your needs met? Should we reassess how we do things? You know, I wanted to ask you about that. So yeah, SPI community is like, as you said, it's about two years old, right? And I, I've been listening to, you know, some of your episodes, but you're always asking everyone about their communities. So far, I haven't heard an episode where you get to talk about yours. Ah. So like, you know, how's it, how's it changed? Like, how, how have you seen some of those things change over the past two years? Well, thanks for asking. Um, it obviously has grown a lot. When it launched, I want to say like a couple hundred people joined the original launch. And now we're right in like the 600s. And we intentionally are going to cap it. Like after a thousand people, we're not, we're not, this isn't a community we're trying to scale it's a very intentional community for like a specific type of member. And as such, we've launched an additional community that can scale and is, is meant for actual more beginners. There's a process to get into SBI pro, which is our main community. And we protect that very much. It's, it's meant for people with an existing business or if it doesn't have to be their full-time thing, but it should be revenating, revenating, resonating. Oh my gosh. My brain just turned off. Revenue generating. There we go. Man, I had to untangle. I like revenating. That's kind of (laughs) nice. Revenating. That's the new revenue generation. (laughs) It was totally not by accident. RevGen. RevGen. What? Just low RevGen. Oh Oh my God. Boss babe. (laughs) Just a boss babe. Uh, um, Recurring RevGen. RevGen. So we look for boss babes with recurring revenue generation. No, just kidding. No boss babes. Yeah. So we're, we're looking for someone who's kind of like, they figured it out, whatever their corner of the internet. We mostly work with digital entrepreneurs. So they're selling digital things. They're a coach. They have a podcast. They do YouTube or they do courses, you know, whatever it is, it's kind of sometimes all in that realm, but sometimes not. And so that's one thing that's changed is when we first launched. I think most of the people, and I'm speaking in general, so any founding members listening, you know, I love you. And if I don't represent you in this, I'm sorry, but I'd say overall in general, like a very generalized view, people were more traditionally that sort of like digital entrepreneur, much like our founder, Pat. So they had courses, maybe a podcast, maybe a YouTube channel, some sort of audience reach thing. And now fast forward, I've noticed a lot, like the industries people are in have, um, really diversified. Like we have some amazing, just really cool industries, like more environmental focused or like permaculture. Recently, someone joined who is like an architect by education, but is really into urban planning with permaculture, like just love it. Fascinating. Yeah. And it's honestly something I just love so much about 
the community is just seeing like, what are people like really diving into? And if they have the freedom to focus on a like very niche topic, like what is that? And like urban design with permaculture, like, hello, like tell me everything about your business. And I love that because part of the community is like, tell me more. What do you do? What are your problems? Like I like being nosy is a good thing. So yeah, so long, long winded answer. We as a team intentionally aren't like trying to drive the content. We are trying to create a safe space for other people to start conversations. So we have a few we start, but I think figuring out that ratio, you know, that balance always is a, a bit of a dance, like how much we're involved versus letting the community run itself, but maintaining like healthy conversations. We've launched a ton of programs and then tweaked them a lot, constantly tweaking. We do masterminds. That's a big way we help people find their people. As a global community, it's a lot trying to find you know, six people, a small group of people that can meet at the same time in the same time zone. It's not 3 a.m. for someone and is a good mix of, say, it's people launching a membership community. It's a dance. And so we're constantly tinkering constantly with everything just to just to fine tune. And then and then another cohort of members come in and 10 of them out of 100 or whatever are ex-teachers. And so it's like, oh, we need to have more, you know, and they're like, hey, can we talk more about this thing that you guys don't ever talk about? And it's like, cool. And so it starts over again. And we just try to, we just try to keep up with what our members want. (laughs) Well, I I really appreciate that intentionality. I love not only that you're, you know, continually asking questions, but that you're also like, hey, we're going to, we're going to cap this at some point because we want everyone, this is meant to be a space where you get to shape in, like, you know, I would say, as communities grow from, let's say, 1,000 to five, to 10 to 100,000, that voice, it's it's harder to have your voice be heard, right? And so I think there's a lot of intentionality around um, the numbers you're choosing and how you're, how you're helping the community shape its own course. Totally. And it's a paid community, right? It's like $1,000 a year to be a pro member. So we want you to feel like, oh my gosh, I get way more value than what I invest financially. And we can't do that if there's 5,000 people. Like you said, people get lost in the fray and it's hard to justify charging someone that much, at least for the type of community we have and, and are passionate about. And that is another reason why we chose to launch a lower tiered community, our learner community, which again is is very much geared towards beginners who aren't ready yet for that level of conversations and are still figuring out like, how do I get that rev gen and how, what, what should I launch? You know, the much more beginners, we let our, we give our pros full access to that community, which is great because they go in and they will mentor, they will help people. And so there's this kind of like special, like relationship that's organically happening. Also, they just love events so that, you know, a lot of them will show up to our learner events Although then ask questions and things where we're like, that's too advanced. Let's do this in pro. But you know, it it's great. I love it. I love that they can come into Learner. And Learner is much less expensive. How much does Learner cost? It's $89 a quarter. So it's like 20, 270-ish dollars. I don't, math isn't my thing. A year. It's more affordable, especially for someone beginning. What it's like, it's, I think it works out to like a, a dollar a day. But yeah, so and then now we've created, we've also created a funnel. So it's like, okay, people who are in learner, once they kind of like graduate out of what they can get there, they have the option if there's, if there's a spot to, you know, go up to, up to the big leagues, up to pro. And then within pro, we have something called MBA, not to get super complicated here, but that's like a much higher price point and is very like business coaching, like advanced stuff. Yeah. And so it's all, I think 
that evolution starting with just pro and now having kind of like three steps in the path to, you know, having a pretty significant like six figure business is what made sense for us. But over time, I'm sure, I'm sure you too, like over, since you launched Uncommon Room, it's like, there's things you're, like you said, like things you're adding, programming, you're considering kind of leaning into potential, like a quote unquote ambassador program, all that. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's always programs that like more that we want to launch, right? And others that we want to sunset or, or we haven't gotten there yet. But like, I think as a community host, it's like as important to, as you are saying, right? Ask questions of your community and understand what's working for them. And then also understand what's not working and being like, okay, if this isn't working anymore, it made sense at the time and now it doesn't. So how do we, you know, sunset this gracefully? How do we make sure that even, you know, let's say a hundred people were really interested in it, but now only three are. So it doesn't really make sense to keep running it as it is. Like, how do we make sure to offboard those people in a way that's also like kind and, and thoughtful and like not a surprise. And so I think there are all sorts of ways as a community host that like, that we have to show up even when it means like, you know, spinning up some things and then shutting other things down. Totally. I kind of love sunsetting stuff. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Me too. <laughs> it's like, this was fun, but we're going to move on now. Like, we're not going to keep beating the dead horse. I hate that expression, but we're not going to, we're not going to like, it's done. Don't cry because it's gone. Smile, you know, whatever you got to yeah, say. Yeah, Someone's yeah, always yeah. mad about it, but ultimately, <laughs> they, you know, they just want to make sure you know that they're mad about it. So it happens. Well, I want to be respectful of your time, despite having several questions I want to ask you. So we're going to go into the rapid fire. If you're oh, ready. rapid fire. I didn't even know we had rapid fire. Oh, you haven't been listening to the whole episodes. You just outed yourself. Mwah, ah, I'm uh, you don't... nervous. <laughs> You're always at the end. Yeah. At oh the my gosh. End. Yeah. I guess I, I haven't apparently listened to the end. So now I'm going to make it extra hard. No, I'm just kidding. You know, that's okay. We all got stuff to do and, and this will make it more fun because you don't know what's coming. This is graded. It's very important. No, I'm just kidding. This is all just for, I actually am notorious for never finishing full podcasts. Like if I look at my Spotify, it always says like four minutes left, six minutes left. And I don't know why that is. I like maybe, maybe as a person, I just can't bear it being over. So I just stopped it before. Oh, I doubt that. But yeah, <laughs> just kidding. Okay. Well, first question and, and yes, it's just for fun. Whatever just like first pops in your head, it can be, it's a quick response. What did you want to be when you grew up when you were a kid? Ooh, veterinarian. Samesies. Well, I wanted to be really? a cat. And then, and then when oh, everyone's nice. like, you can't do, you can't be a cat. And I was like, mm, yes, I can. Listen, Jillian, you can be a cat. I know I'm a cat. So yeah, then I settled for I settled for veterinarian. <laughs> okay, Rebecca, next question. Excellent, pass. How do you define community? Connectivity. Mm, love it. What is something on your quote unquote bucket list that you have done? Ooh, that I have done. Uh, teach yoga. Ooh. All right, and then the flip, what is something on that same quote unquote bucket list that you have not done, but you hope to? I would like to teach yoga to English language learners. So I'd like to teach ESL through yoga. Ooh, please do. That's awesome. Okay. What is a book that you just love and wish everyone would read, whether it's community related or not? Honestly, uh, Malcolm X or the autobiography of Malcolm X written by Alex Haley or as told to Alex Haley. Love it. Okay. I believe you're in Seattle based on previous conversations. True. Very nice. It's a great place to live, but say you couldn't live there. Mm -hmm. Where's anywhere else in the world 
you would want to live? So I grew up in Southern California and there's a part of me that always wants to live in LA. Um, or I visited Tokyo and I was there for a few months and I loved it so much. And I remember saying to my friends, if someone dropped me off here and said, sorry, you, this is where you live now, I would have been like, that's fine. I love it here. Good. Yeah. That's cool with me. I'm in Tokyo. I really want to go to Tokyo. It's a special place. Yeah. Well, I want to go because <laughs> so, so, this is so basic, but I want to go check out all the vending machines. Oh, like, yeah. There's a vending machine for everything. There really and is. I really just want to like myself go and buy one of those little Pikachu hats for cats. Because <laughs> <laughs> you want to be a cat. Oh, no, actually. Well, I have a very small dog that is cat sized. And so I want to get her a Pikachu hat that she will hate. But I just think it's I'm like, of course, of course, there is a vending machine for Pikachu hats for cats for cats. But yeah, maybe deep down, it's something about me being a cat. Okay, final question. You're doing great. Thank you. How do you want to be? <laughs> how do you want to be remembered? As someone who is kind and generous with their time and their spirit. Yes. Ah, love it. Same. What about you? Pretty, pretty similar. Yeah. I like the mantra, like, you know, in camping, like leave it better than you found it. Uh, yeah. You know, you pick up other people's trash or whatever, because for the greater good, like I, I want to be remembered as someone who left it better than I found it. Like, and through kindness, like through humanity or like trying to save humanity. <laughs> I love that. In, in my own little small way. Well, this has been so fun. Rebecca Marshburn. I would love to have you back. I would love to just keep the convo going. I totally joined your community while we were talking. So I'm going to post an intro in there after this and, and be annoying in there. You'll be like, I wish I hadn't mentioned this to her. No, I'm so glad I did. And thank you so much for entrusting us with your with your time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I know what it means to have another Slack app open. And so the fact that you're like, you know what, I'm going to do it. I appreciate that a lot. I am very passionate about community for community builders. I love that that's something you're doing and I want to be a part of it because we need to support each other because a lot of people do not get what we do. When someone's not getting it, like you're a moderator, like on <laughs> Facebook. And I'm like, no, I'm, I just, I, internet, I work in the internet. I work in it. <laughs> I'm in the cloud. Okay. Rebecca, where can people learn more? What are the, the websites ah. and social handles you would like our audience to part with? So number one, I think if I, you know, this is uh, community managers, community builders, community leaders are listening to this and, and others, but you should really try common room. You can try it for free. And then we also have an essentials plan that is free forever. That you can find that at www.commonroom.io. Um, you can find out more about the Uncommon community at www.commonroom.io slash uncommon. So that's where you can sign up for our newsletter. You can also see what events we have coming up. So for example, well, I'm not sure when this will be published, but um, on September 2nd, we have a community event with Max Pete, who is a customer and community success leader at Super High. And he is talking about 10 of his lessons that he learned as his first year as a community manager to help like uh, emerging community leaders understand like what types of things they might need to be thinking about, what types of lessons and takeaways they can glean from his own experience and reflections. You can find our Slack there. You can find all of our community resources and like blog posts and things like that. If you want to find out more about me, you can find me at Twitter at twitter.com slash Becca O'Dley, B-E-C-C-A-O-D-E-L-A-Y. I'm on LinkedIn at Rebecca Marshburn. And yeah, I have some, I do poetry. I don't know if you call that, but 
My like latest like multimedia project, if you're interested in that, is called www.thisamericanalife.com. And it's a multimedia project about the months that I spent on a big rig with my uncle driving across the country. Oh, now we get to that at the very end. <laughs> well, excellent. We'll have to go surprise. check it out. Yes, yeah, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much again for being here and sharing all the amazing things Common Room does, but also just the Uncommon Room and the, the support you're giving to other community builders. Always love to connect with people who have a, a similar, similar thoughts on just bringing community people together. So I can't wait to go dig into that community. And yeah, thanks. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And feel better. Thank you. And that is my interview with Rebecca, or I'm guessing also called Becca. I kind of wanted to just call her Bex at the end for fun, but then I didn't want to offend her in case that's a like, that's like someone calling me a boss babe or a moderator. Uh, I think hopefully everybody listening knows if you're, if you're new, maybe I should add a little context to that. Blah. It's a pet peeve of mine when people call me a moderator, which I actually referred to in this episode without the context, but it's just an ongoing thing. If you know, you know, it's nothing wrong with being a moderator. It's just a very different thing than a community manager. And I will die on that hill. And I love moderators. Y'all are great. You are the mod, the mod cops is a, as some have been called at past roles I've been in where moderation was a big part of the job. I've also been called that. I've been called all sorts of things, holding up guidelines in past communities. Fortunately, don't really have to do that anymore. If you're doing that and you are, need someone to vent to or talk to, hit me up at Jillian Benbow on Twitter or in the Uncommon Room or Pro, if you're in Pro, because I have a long history with <laughs> verbal abuse from members from like big, messy, anonymous communities that people would fight in and then get mad if they were removed or even just talked to about adhering to guidelines. So I know what it feels like. And if you don't have someone you can safely just talk about it to, I would like to invite you to talk to me because... It's a very lonely, hard feeling, and it's mentally exhausting. So just putting that out there to, to, the, to the entire listenership, which, you know, it's a niche podcast, so I'm not too worried. So yeah, let's actually talk about why we're here, which is Rebecca's interview. And if you made it this far, thank you. That means you know what the rapid fire questions are. Just kidding. I can't help but poke fun. I get it, honestly, but it is fun to kind of be like, oh. So I'm glad Rebecca's a good sport and and just, you know, went with it. And then we got to hear some, you know, off the cuff answers. So everybody wins. As I mentioned in the intro and as you heard in the interview, lots to talk about here. Obviously, the platform, commonroom.io. I mean, mind blown. I I honestly didn't know much about what it did. I love one, I love there's a free forever option, which I think is just a great tactic for any any SaaS platform, any, any platform, just to, for all of us who have small businesses, it's a great way to dip in and, you know, and be a part of it. And then who knows through our positive experiences with said platforms, we might recommend it to someone who does have the large budget for the, you know, enterprise level or whatever. So we talk about that. I think it's just interesting. It's, I love that there are more and more platforms, organizations coming out 
that are kind of that third-party service to enhance what you already have access to as far as metrics, regardless of what platform you're on. And I like that this actually, you know, kind of is a next level like aggregation opportunity. It's designed for good. You're, you're looking at if someone's posting about you so that you can go and thank them. Or if it's critical, you can go and say, oh, I'm so sorry. That was your experience. Reach out. Let's talk. Right. And, and change that narrative publicly. That's, that's powerful. So I think this is just a great, great thing coming out of the community industry as it grows and becomes more respected, relevant, known as people realize that, no, we are not necessarily moderators. I'll stop with that. But yes, it's pet peeve. Yeah. So, I mean, depending, you may already use a platform for this, or maybe you want to check out common room, but I think just overall takeaway for me is I'm so happy that these tools are being identified as a need and created because these are going to help us as community builders. The second piece is just how uncommon room went from a opt-in newsletter to a thriving community is a great story. And especially for all y'all listening that are smaller business building community, trying to, you know, figure that out. I think there are a lot of lessons and a lot of takeaways with how Rebecca did it and how the common room team supported her with this, which is, I mean, like she said, it was just an an opt-in on a website that didn't have a product yet. It's kind of like a coming soon sort of thing. Right. But I think what, why it was successful is the work they did with the people that they had invited in that were names in community. So already people that other community builders are likely following and brought them in as advisors, advisory roles for the product, but then invited them into this newsletter in the sense of, hey, can we interview or maybe you can post something in this upcoming edition of the newsletter? You know, just building relationships. It's, it's just layers of community strategy, right? It's the relationships with the advisors of the company for the product and building relationships with them and giving them the opportunity to be interviewed, et cetera. That's so smart. It's so simple. It's so simple. And what a strategy. Your outreach strategies don't have to be necessarily these, you know, a huge Facebook ad. It can be something like this, which is relatively inexpensive. It's time, but just very thoughtful, curated info that helps people solve community problems will bring in community builders, which is what they wanted. So I think that's great. And then allowing, you know, creating the Slack channel once, once it felt time with and continuing the newsletter, but then adding on this, like, Hey, if you want to talk real time to everyone else, join this free Slack community that is managed, you know, that is professionally managed, that is safe. That's, it's really freaking smart. (laughs) I love it. And it sounds like very organically adding the channels about the product. Once the product launched, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I like that it's, you know, like I was able to join this community and I do not use this product. That's great. And that also means, you know, me joining my motivation to join is I want to talk to other community builders because that's what I do. I just watched Tommy Boy. And so I want to say, because that's who I am and that's who I care about. Callahan Auto. All jokes aside, I think it's just such a, it's such a great model. And I think anybody can study it and learn from it and potentially use parts of it or, or all of it to expand or launch your community. So let me know what you think at Jillian Benbow on Twitter. Offer still stands. If you need to, if you need to vent about people being mean to you in your community, 
hit me up. I'm here for you. But otherwise, that was the episode. I'm going to stop talking and I'll see you next Tuesday. You can learn more about Rebecca by following her on Twitter at Becca Odele, O-D-E-L-A-Y. And check out Common Room, commonroom.io and commonroom.io slash uncommon to see more about the Uncommon community, which I did join and introduce myself. LinkedIn, she is Rebecca Marshburn. And of course, thisamericanalife.com is her multimedia project she held out on until the very end. So go learn more about it there. Your lead host for the community experience is me, Jillian Benbow. Our executive producer is Matt Gartland. Our senior producer is David Grabowski. And our editor is Paul Gregoris. Sound editing by Duncan Brown. Theme music by David Grabowski. See you next Tuesday. Tuesday.